our reading this morning is taken from the book of Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10 to 20. That is Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth, buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. I pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the word of the Lord. Let me add my welcome to that you've already received. Uh, it's a really exciting time in the life of our church and uh, great to have so many people connecting in. And we're looking forward to hearing your story. We're in a series at the moment looking at battle and blessing. We've been looking at how battle and blessing are not two different uh, periods of your life, but they're almost two concurrent realities that we're always facing simultaneously in different areas of our life. We've been looking at how sometimes you face battles, not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing something right. And last week, we were looking at the reality that you have an enemy, that you will face opposition, and that the only way through that opposition is to be strengthened in the Lord in such a way that you are able to stand. And I'd really encourage you to catch up with the talks we've been having so far in the series if you haven't been able to hear them already. And today we're going to look at how we stand firm, how to fight your battles. Uh, in the battles we will inevitably face, we're going to need to fight, but we don't fight with the weapons of this world. And we don't fight in the same way as this world. This isn't about aggression or just pure force. We see here how we can be prepared to fight spiritually in a way that will enable us not just to survive the battles that come our way, but even to thrive in the midst of them. And the first thing we see here is how important it is to put on God's armour. Paul says here, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Then he says again, therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. He says it twice, put on the full armour of God. This isn't a throwaway line. It's central to this passage and it's central to what it means to follow Jesus. Put on the full armour of God. You are not 
on your own in the battles you face. Maybe it feels like that for you today. You're facing a few battles in different areas of your life, maybe in a workplace situation or a relationship or a situationship or a, uh, in a fa- maybe in your extended family. There's just a battle It feels like it's raging and you feel on your own, but you are not on your own. And you're not going to be able to survive the battles you face just by relying on your own resources. I've thought at times in my life, I can probably get through this on my own. I'm sharp enough, got enough money in the bank, got enough mates. Surely we can fix things. But you will not be able, this passage tells you, you will not be able to survive and thrive in the battles that come your way just relying on your own resources. Because God's armour is available to you and it's given to you. God's own armour, which is forged by God, shaped by him and designed by him with an end in mind, God's purpose in mind. So if God gives you armour, you can be sure of one thing. You are going to need his armour. God's gifts are purpose-shaped. And when God gives you something, it's because he's designed it for a purpose. It's made with an end in mind, and there's a reason you're going to need it. It's a hint, a strong hint, at what is likely to come in your life. It's a little bit like in novels. You know, when a character in a novel gets a gift, it's a pretty strong hint about what is to come later in the story. You know, when, when Frodo is given the light of Arendelle by uh, Galadriel in The Lord of the Rings, you know, she says, may this be a light for you in dark places. When all the light goes out, you're thinking, maybe he's going to be in some dark places. Maybe all other lights are going to go out. Maybe this is going to be a useful gift. You're not thinking, thanks so much, Galadriel. What a rubbish gift. Put it in the really useful drawer. No. It's like in, in, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when uh, Father Christmas gives uh, gifts to Peter and Susan like a sword and a shield and a bow and an arrow and a horn and he gives Lucy this healing cordial and a dagger. You're not thinking, I imagine they're going to have quite an easy life. No difficulties, no obstacles, no warfare. And then they grew up, became bankers and retired in Provence. No. <laughs> There's going to be some battle. The gifts you're given are purpose-shaped. We, uh, once in one of the houses we lived in a few years ago, we, we had some friends over, and one of our friends used the bathroom, and he came downstairs and he said, you've got a wasp nest in your roof. We were like, you've got a wasp nest in our roof? He goes, honestly, I've had one before. There's definitely a wasp nest in your roof. Anyway, we ignored him. Months went by, and the sound became louder and louder. Sometimes we'd be in the bath, looking upstairs, thinking, I hope that roof isn't going to come down. We could hear them like chewing and buzzing around, all that stuff, stuff. So eventually we called um, the kind of you know, pest control, and this guy came around. And when I opened the door, he, I was quite surprised, because he was wearing like shorts and a T-shirt. He looked quite casual. And uh, I said to him, oh, we've got a wasp nest. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And he kind of came in, and he went up into our loft. And I was, I was at the stairs at the bottom of the the loft, and uh, just looking, and he said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a very small nest, and it's already dormant, so there's not much for me to do here. I'll just give it a poke just to double-check. It will be absolutely fine. And I said to him, well, I think it isn't dormant, and we hear them all the time. He said, I do this job for a living, mate. I can tell a dormant, that is a dormant wasp nest. I said, okay. So, so I'm just going to poke it. I said, oh, you really don't want to poke it. I mean, I think wasps get quite aggressive 
if uh, you poke their nest and you're just wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Don't you need some kind of kit or like something else? He said, it's a dormant wasp. What are you worried about? I said, okay. He said, look, I do this. I said, I trust you. You're the expert. Anyway, so we went up the stairs and I was at the bottom of the stairs and I thought, I'm going to go downstairs. I said, do you want a cup of tea? He said, yeah. I thought, I'll make a cup of tea. So I, I, I went down the bottom of the stairs and then I was, I was I'm making a cup of tea and he was kind of looking around. He said, I'm just about to poke it. I said, fine. I thought, I'm going to close the door. So I just, I closed the door downstairs and I was waiting. And then I heard the biggest shout you have ever heard. And then I heard a crash as he almost fell from our loft. onto. And then I heard this like shouting as he ran down our stairs. He said, close the interior doors. I was like, don't worry, mate. They're well closed. I was like, you know, I'm ready. And he was chased out of our house by all these wasps. And he came back quite sheepishly at 15 minutes later. He goes, I got stung here. I got stung here. I got stung here. He said, I think I might need my kit. Went back to his van. He came back like a beekeeper, you know, and then um, went in. You see, if you have kit and you're not wearing your kit, you are being naive. Naive. And if God, who is sovereign, knows the end from the beginning, made you with a purpose, shaped you with an end in mind, has good things for your life and knows what's likely to happen in your life, comes to you and says, I've got some armour for you. And you say, I'm good. I've been doing quite well at life, actually. It's a bit heavy. You are naive. God's gifts are purpose-shaped and you need it. You need the full armour. Armour works in an integrated way. It works together. There are different parts for different purposes. And if you don't have the full armour, then a gap is exposed. A partial armour is only a partial defence. Sometimes we think, well, naturally I'm good at that, or naturally I'm good at that, so I'll probably be all right. But the thing about the armour that God gives you is it's comprehensive, it's all-encompassing. It covers every part of your body. Every bit is formed for a purpose. And the thing about this passage is, uh, Paul writes this letter from a prison in Rome. And uh, we see from verse 20, he says, you know, I'm, I, pray for me, for which I'm an ambassador in chains. So Paul is an ambassador in chains in a Roman prison. And what does that mean? Well, almost everyone says that means one thing. That means he's chained, actually chained to a Roman soldier. So Paul is sitting and thinking, I need to write a letter where I can communicate the reality of the spiritual armour and what it looks like for that spiritual armour to have an impact on someone's life. And he's chained to a Roman soldier, so he's got the perfect visual aid. And I just wish we had a Roman soldier here today who could illustrate to... Batsy, great to see you. <laughs> Would you welcome Batsy? Come on, Batsy, don't be shy. <laughs> So, Bertie, come up here. Come up here. This is um, this is exciting. <laughs> I never knew how you hung out at the weekends. Uh, so here we have the Roman soldier. So come show everyone. Come show everyone. And we have the armor, the full armor. So Paul is chained to this Roman soldier. He has the perfect visual aid right in front of him. And what's interesting is that um, God's gifts are purpose-shaped. So we know. Paul says, watch out for the wiles of the enemy, the schemes of the enemy. Put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the schemes of the enemy. And that means that this armour reveals something to you about the ways in which the enemy will attack you. So he says, put on the belt of truth. The enemy is the father of lies. 
He loves to attack you with lies that unsettle you and make you uncertain. And your best defense is the belt of truth. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. The enemy doesn't attack with wounds in the flesh. He attacks with lies and accusation in the heart. You need God's righteousness to protect your heart. He says, you know, the feet shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace. You know, so much about the enemy wants to do is to create dis- disorder and chaos in your life so that you're knocked off your feet. And you need the, the peace of the gospel to help you to stand firm. You put on the helmet of salvation. The enemy wants you to doubt your salvation. He wants to attack your mind. So you're not saved. You don't know God. You need the helmet of salvation to protect your mind. You know, he fires fiery darts at you to undermine your faith so that you might be vulnerable in your walk with Jesus. You need the shield of faith to protect you from the fiery darts of the enemy. And you need, what's this, Batsy? It's my sword. Oh, and you need the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to parry, to fight off the attacks of the enemy and actually to go on the offensive with the eternal, unchanging, life-transforming Word of God. You need every part of this armour. But Paul doesn't just say, look at it. He says, put it on. Twice he says, put it on. What does it mean to put on this armour? You know, in medieval times, when a squire was going to be made into a knight, they would spend a whole night in prayer. They would go to the chapel of the castle and they would kneel down and they would lay their knight's armour in front of them. And they would pray to God for the whole night, a vigil that lasted the whole night, surrendering their whole lives to God and surrendering their armour to God and say, as I take up this role, as I take up this armour, I'm for you, Lord. I want to be submitted to you, Lord. What would it look like for us? If you're on a battle today, I just tell you, this might change your life to say, I want to put this on intentionally in my life. So Lord, would you help me to be held together by truth, by the belt of truth? Your word is truth. Would your righteousness protect my heart and remind me that I'm loved? Would your your peace Give me a readiness that means I can go anywhere you want me to go and stand firm. Would your salvation guard my mind from any attack of the enemy? Would you, would you just remind me of your salvation, that you've saved me? Would, would, would the shield of faith protect me from assaults to my confidence in you? And would your word, your word, be the thing that enables me to advance and take territory for your kingdom. Just pray that over yourself every day and put on the full armour of God. Just imagine the difference it would make. Thanks so much, Sabatsi. (laughs) And then we're going to look at these things in a little bit more detail. So the belt of truth, the best defence against the lies of the enemy is the belt of truth. And the belt, you will have seen, holds all the armour together. It's foundational. Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And we live in a time when the very idea of truth is contested. The enemy wants to lie to you. And the best 
strategy if you want to lie to people is to undermine their very confidence in the actual idea of there being such a thing as truth. Blaise Pascal said, the truth is so obscured in these times and falsehood so established that unless we love the truth, we will never know it. I was told when I was growing up, uh, not that far from here, when I was studying, there's no such thing as truth. It's a postmodern age. No such thing as a true statement. I still remember in 2017 doing a mission to students in this city across the road. And after one of my talks, this student came up to me and he said, thanks so much for your talk. I, I, I enjoyed it. I said, that's very kind. He said, I've got one question for you, though. He looked a bit kind of cocky. And I said, what's your question? He said, well, do you realise there's no such thing as truth? I said, I see. Is what you just said true? He said, yeah. <laughs> I said, oh. He said, things you can't even unpick and wipe out the idea of truth without relying on truth. It's often when people say there's no such thing as truth, it's just a device to clear the ground for other ideologies and new claims to power. If there's no such thing as truth, then only the most powerful determines what's right and only the most powerful shapes reality. There are 64 national elections in 2024. 49.1% of the world's population. And we are praying for them on uh, Wednesday night. But a number of them only have one candidate one party, scarcely get a vote. If, if far from free. And the people who win those elections will determine what truth is. And there's almost nothing, if you don't have truth, with which to stand against oppressive rulers and to hold regimes accountable. Don't sell on the idea of truth. It's true on a macro and a micro scale. And truth enables freedom. When people lie to you, whether it's rulers or people in your immediate circle, they are depriving you of the freedom to act according to the world as it really is. Your know, lies aren't just a betrayal. They impair your freedom. A lie de denies people the freedom to act according to the world as it is, and truth empowers you to act according to the world as it actually is. It's not just a macro level, though. It's also true on a micro level. just want you to imagine for a moment that your, uh, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your partner is uh, out for the night and then you get a text from your friend saying, oh, I saw them. They were in a bar with that other person. I think there's something going on. They looked a bit too close. It looks a bit dodgy to me. I think he's cheating on you. I think she's cheating on you. And the next time you see them, you, you think, well, I've got to have it out. So you say, look, um, I think he saw you in the bar with someone else and, and it looked a bit kind of up close and personal. So can I ask you a question? You know, uh, are you cheating on me? Tell me the truth. If your partner says to you, what is truth? <laughs> that is an inadequate answer to the question that you've just asked them. We don't even live like that. I encourage you, do everything you can do to love the truth. Jesus is truth. His word is truth. Let the truth of his word shape your life. The belt of truth is invisible, 
but it's absolutely invaluable. It's foundational. It's indispensable. It's the thing on which all the other armor hangs and is supported by. I'd encourage you, live your life in the light of the truth. The truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. Rub it into your life more and more. You need the belt of truth. Also, you need the breastplate of righteousness. Now, as we saw, the breastplate was designed to uh, protect your vital organs, especially your heart. Uh, You'll know that the sword that we just saw, uh, it was quite short, much shorter than swords had been up until that period, designed to stab and to thrust, designed to target the vital organs. And so you needed a breastplate to protect your heart because you can take hits on your arm, on your side, Lots of places, but if you take a hit in your heart, then most likely it's going to be fatal. If you puncture your chest, it's going to get to your heart and you're going to die. And my experience is that the enemy has at least two tactics in this area. When life is great, when you feel like you're nailing it, the enemy kind of whispers to you, you don't need armour. You're doing so well. You don't need God's righteousness. You're smashing it. That's for like... Beginner Christians. That's for like, you know, weak Christians. But you're a strong Christian. You can do anything. Don't worry about it. Times in my life, I've, I've been so puffed up to pride. I, it was always sort of as bad as pride, how far I could get across the line and still be a Christian. Uh, holiness was something just to take for granted. It wasn't something to desire or to try and pursue. But then when life is tough, when you're struggling, the enemy says, well, you don't deserve to wear that armor. You're not the right sort of Christian. That's for kind of people who actually read their Bibles or pray a bit more. People who really understand theology. People who don't do what you did last week. Either way, what the enemy is always trying to get you to do is to take off the armor of God so that you're exposed. He doesn't want you to rely on God's armour because if he can just take you on one-to-one without the armour, he's got you. So sometimes he'll come to you in your strength. Sometimes he'll come to you in your weakness. Sometimes he'll puff you up to pride. So easy to think, oh yeah, I don't need God. My resources are enough. I'm good enough on my own. I don't need saving. I've got my achievements. I've got my words. I've got my views. I've got my actions. I'm good enough. I'm righteous myself. I'm self-righteous. And that kind of creates a kind of complacency. Sometimes it creates a kind of drivenness. I just have to win my own status, win my own value. And you stop relying on God's righteousness and you're exposed. Sometimes he puffs you up to pride. Sometimes he drives you down to despair. There's no hope. God's power is inadequate to cover me. His righteousness isn't enough to cover me. Sometimes the enemy might say to you, you know, you really think the blood of this guy who died 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, is going to help you? You are kidding yourself. He wants to drive you to despair. So you think, why should I bother putting on the armour? I'm too far gone. Why should I bother pursuing holiness? I'm, I'm never going to reach that standard. Tim Keller says the gospel is that you are more sinful than you ever feared and more loved than you ever dared to hope. The breastplate of righteousness gives you a godly confidence and it gives you a godly humility. On your own, you've got no hope. Even your best endeavours are covered with mixed motives. But with God, you have every hope. And even on your worst days, when you feel like you've set your life on fire, you are 
loved. God's righteousness, it protects your heart. It means you have the foundation, the assurance to seek to live a holy life, a life that pleases the Lord, not out of independence from God, but out of gratitude to God. And as your pastor, if I can just share one thing, I think the most animating, the most dynamic, the most significant catalytic impact in your life is gratitude for what God has done for you. If you think holiness is something you have to achieve, you will be exhausted and crushed. If you just want to live a holy life because you're so grateful for what he has achieved, you'll be light and joyful. They can look the same, but their motivations are entirely different. Let your gratitude at God's breastplate of righteousness, which covers you, lead you into a living a life which glorifies him. You need the breastplate of righteousness and then you need feet fitted with the gospel of peace. The Roman soldiers wore sandals specifically designed to enable you to move with agility and stand firm with constancy. Some historians say that the story of the advance of the Roman Empire was a story about having the right footwear because they were the first to kind of screw nails into the soles of shoes in a way that when an army came at you, you could stand in the mud, but also you could pivot and parry and shift attacks. And you'll know movement in warfare and in fights is one of the most important dynamic considerations there are. They were strapped to people's legs and they had studs on the soles. So people wouldn't lose their footing and they'd stay on their feet. God's peace, the peace of the good news, enables you to stand firm. God's peace, which is won by Jesus, isn't going to retreat. It's going to advance. The language here draws to mind like Isaiah 52, where you have this image of a messenger who's kind of running through the hills and the mountains to bring the news to the villages and towns and the cities that God's forces have won. God's peace is breaking out. And in all the chaos and complexity and confusion of life, the enemy has lost. And although he loves to sow the absence of peace in his final days, the good news is that the peace is breaking out across the world and it isn't going to recede. And the enemy wants to blind people from seeing that truth, from seeing that peace. He wants to get you to lose your confidence in your footing in the good news. He wants you to doubt and to withdraw, and to retreat, and to go quiet. And we overcome the enemy, it says in Revelation, by the blood of the Lamb, by Jesus' blood on the cross, and by the testimony of the saints. Ready. This is the image. You're almost on the balls of your feet, ready to go, ready to share the good news of Jesus' peace to a world, to your community, to your workplace, to your business, to your startup, to your barista, to your butcher, to your baker, to your candlestick maker, to people who desperately need to hear it. I just want to say to you, your testimony is powerful. Sometimes you think, I don't have anything to say. It's a bit confusing for me. It's not obvious. It's not like these amazing stories we hear where people just came to faith in a moment and they went from one place to the other and their lives are transformed. Mine's a bit mixed. It's okay. Your testimony is powerful. And it's powerful in a cosmic, extraordinary way. It actually vanquishes, throws down, overthrows your enemy. It overcomes 
the enemy. You speaking words. So I just want to encourage you this week. Can I encourage you? you up for a challenge? Thank you so much. <laughs> when you go up to someone this week and say to them, can I ask you a favour? Might be a colleague or a friend. Might be a, a family member. Just say, can I ask you a favour? They say, yeah, what is it? And they said, my pastor's really hard work. Honestly, sometimes he challenges us to do stuff. And on Sunday, he said, I challenge you to tell someone this week how you encountered Jesus. And I don't really want to do it, but he might ask me next Sunday if I don't. And then I'll be embarrassed. So can I practice with you? Do I have, have your permission to practice with you? And they'll go, yeah, sure, I'll help you out. What do I have to do? All you have to do is sit there and listen. Great. And I will tell you how I encountered Jesus. They'll be like, great. And then just tell them. You can say, you know, my parents brought me up in the faith and there was a moment where I had to own it for myself. But I'd encourage you to focus on two things. I'd encourage you to focus on the difference Jesus has made to your life and why you're happy that you know him today. Just, just, just today. So it might be, I, had a good, I woke up at 3am last night, I was really anxious, I prayed, I fell back asleep. I'm thankful that he helps me sleep. Might be it's given you a different conception of what it means to thrive in the workplace or to lead. But just say, with integrity, the difference it makes for you. Why he's the reason for the hope that you have. And then see what happens. You know, the Holy Spirit is more interested in people around you encountering Jesus than you are. The great thing about being a follower of Jesus is you get all of the fun and none of the responsibility. Who's the only person who's sovereign in someone's salvation? No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So I just absolve you of the pressure and the stress of thinking you have to force people around you to encounter Jesus. All you have to do is speak your testimony, but it's more powerful than you could ever imagine because you carry within you, your feet are shod with the gospel of peace and this world desperately, desperately, desperately needs peace. What if you speaking to someone this week was the answer to a prayer they've been whispering for years. Would someone explain it? Would someone give me hope? Would I find peace? And you think you're just taking a risk and actually you're the answer to their very prayer. I want to encourage you this week. Put this armour on. Each of these things, the belt, the breastplate, the sandals, they're all strapped to the body. They're tied to the body. They're fixed to the body. You cannot put them on by accident. Oh, I'm wearing a belt. Oh, I'm wearing shoes. Oh, I'm wearing a breastplate. No, you have to put them on intentionally. They're absolutely foundational. And I encourage you, you're in a battle, pray this every day this week. You know, as you put on your belt, say, Lord, would you keep me in truth? Would you shape my life by your truth? You know, as you put on your top, whatever kind of top it is. Lord, would your righteousness be the foundation of my life? Would you grow gratitude in me and give me a hunger for your holiness that I might live a life that pleases you? When you put on your shoes, I encourage you, Lord, would you give me a readiness to announce your peace by my words and my actions this week and then see what he might do. Put on 
the full armour of God. It's been designed for you. It's been shaped for you. It fits you like a glove. And you're going to need it. And when you wear it, anything could happen. In Jesus' name. Amen.